0: You are listening to the God-Focused Life Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Thompson, and my prayer is that every single listener will be inspired and challenged to be all that God has created you to be. Welcome to episode 14. Today's topic is tips on raising kids. I am so thankful you are tuning in, but I will tell you this, I am not a perfect parent. My husband would say the same thing. We have learned by trial and error in a lot of ways We've made mistakes. You know, there were things that we would change if we could go back in time and do it. But you know what? God's grace is so sufficient and he covers over us and he helps us. He even helps our children even through our own mistakes. So just know this is not one of those, Ooh, do it like this and you're going to have perfect children and you're going to be perfect parents. That's just not the world we live in. Our own parents made mistakes. We've made mistakes and our children will make mistakes. So just know that as we dive into this topic, um, there are no perfect parents. But I will say this. We have tried really, really hard um, to raise our children in the way they should go according to God's word. We've taken God's word very, very seriously, and we've wanted to impart that in our kids. So I've got some tips in raising children, and we will see how far we get. I'm assuming we will probably get to five of them today, and then I will record another podcast to get to the other tips. But for right now, let's just dive in. Um, one thing that we've done um, is we teach them the Bible. That is the number one thing. And when our children were small, we always had uh, Bible time at bedtime. So before they went to bed, we all gathered around. We took turns. Whoever's bedroom at the time, we would have Bible time. And I will say this, even from the time that our children were born, my husband and I gathered together and we prayed over our family. Um, at that time, my husband was, believe it or not, for those that know, my husband would be shocked to know that there was a time in his life where he did not feel comfortable praying out loud, but we would gather together and he would sit while I prayed for our marriage, our home, our children, our babies, newborn, um, and we that was just something that we did every night before we went to bed. And then once we had kids, at the time when they could actually comprehend and understand, we would use... Um, an appropriate, an age appropriate Bible or Bible storybook, uh, to read to them. And it would, we would use things, you know, for a toddler's age that would teach principles such as thanks, thank, sorry, thankfulness and things like being kind to others and sharing and caring for others. We also had books that had lots of pictures with Jesus in them. Um, I wanted them to learn at an early age that Jesus was their friend and that he loved them very, very, very much. And not uh, see, God doesn't like it when you do this. Jesus isn't happy when you do this. I wanted them to know that God loves them. Even in our sinful states, he loves us so, so much. There's nothing we can do that will make him love us more. There's nothing that we can do that will make him love us less. And I made sure that my kids understood that at early ages. Um, there would be times when we would watch... Like children's movies, we always watched appropriate children's movies, but sometimes there was a villain or there was the negative guy or there was, you know, for their age, it would have been like, we're looking at it as an adult. We're like, uh, that's just a mean dog down the street, you know, or whatever. But when the kids would go to bed, that mean dog became something that they were afraid of. Or something that they would be scared would be scared of, and they would have night terrors. And uh, what we would do when when uh, we saw number one, we would like try to identify what is it that they are afraid of, and we would stop watching those things. Um, and who, uh, it's hard finding things that are children appropriate this day and age. We just uh, we were so 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 careful because we didn't want them to be afraid. I would tell. Um, We would just, that was just like our slogan all the time. Fear is not of the Lord. Fear is not of the Lord. We never jumped out and scared them. We never did that because fear is not of the Lord. There is a fear of the Lord, you know, meaning, you know, that we have reverence and awe of Him. But I just didn't want my kids to be afraid. But when they did have those issues at night, we would get books out that had pictures of Jesus. And when they started focusing on the face and the person of Jesus, of who he was, and we would pray with them, everything was just calm. And we ended up getting pictures for their walls, too, that had Jesus on them. We just wanted them to know who Jesus was, Jesus of the Bible. We were teaching them the Bible. Um, as they got a little bit older, we started using... Because we were homeschoolers and we used um, the Beginner's Bible. There's something called the Beginner's Bible. That was their first grade reader for school. They were immersed in the Word of God pretty much every single day of their lives. As they grew, the types of Bibles they read matched their level of comprehension. We made sure that they knew that we needed to trust God even in times that we don't understand. They needed to know about who the Lord was and his heart towards us so that when the bad things happen, our trust isn't in the thing that's happening or the storm or the perplexity or the, you know, whatever that was. God was not those things. We had to separate. This is a bad situation going on, but God is a God of love and care and he will take care of us. So we taught them that at a very early age. Um, So, uh, he is our God and he loves us and he has our best interest in mind and our kids absolutely needed to know that. So that was just a big thing. We just found that teaching them the Bible was a great foundation for what would come later. So, um, teaching them who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit is, those three things we wanted them to know early on. Um, I remember my son even having, um, uh, he would, he would have dreams and visions, even from the time he was three and four. And he had even said that one night he woke up and that there was an angel that was in his room and, um, that he needed to know, all right, what does this even mean? And he did, he wasn't afraid because he knew that the Bible said there are angels. So, you know, I don't know right now, why did the Lord allow him to see that angel at such a small age? Um, but he did. And, um, My son was not afraid of it. So that's a big deal. Teach them the word of God so that they're not afraid of bad circumstances and that they're not afraid of the Holy Spirit and things that God might do in their lives, because if they're afraid of that, they may turn away because they don't understand it. So um, the next thing, number two, it goes right along with that, but it's helping them to memorize scripture. We made sure to sign the kids up for programs like Awana. Um, that was like something that was at, they're usually at a Baptist church. There are other churches that do that too, but Awana, it's A-W-A-N-A. Um, it's designed to teach kids the Bible in a fun way and they get to earn rewards as they learn scriptures and memorize them. Um, the longer that they stay in, the more the script, the more scriptures they learn and they get longer and they are learning the meaning of them as well. Um, and it, it just baffles me. It amazes me at how much the kids will retain and how long these verses can be that they actually memorize. I remember, this wasn't a part of Awanas, but I remember seeing a video of a younger child reciting Psalm 23, and it's a long psalm. And I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and start reading it over and over to the kids. And I think um, uh, by the time that I had decided to do this for the kids, I think my son was somewhere between three and four. So that would have put my daughter somewhere between um, five and six, because they're almost two years apart, and they memorized the 23rd Psalm. (laughs) It was amazing to me. And they memorized it. And my son was, you know, reciting it in baby language that maybe only mom and close relatives could understand. But he was reciting the 23rd Psalm. And we know uh, the 23rd Psalm, if you read that, that is an amazing passage of scripture to know that God never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he walks with us through the darkest of valleys and that we don't have to fear any evil because he, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And so that was, it was just awesome to see them memorize that. And then as they got older, to be able to apply it to their lives. Um, number three, this one was a very important one that I had to learn. Um, it was hard for me, but number three is you are their parent and not their friend. It's so easy for parents to get soft and want their kids to like them, right? We want to be their friend. We want to love on them and make them happy so that they will like us. Well, I learned early on that this was not a biblical approach to raising kids. If you think about your life and the different people that are in your life, everybody has a role to play. You have a mom, you have a dad, maybe it's a stepmom, maybe it's a stepdad, you have siblings, you have cousins, you have friends, you have friends of the same sex, friends of the opposite sex, friends that are older and younger, and every single person has a role in your life. And you know there are teachers, there are preachers, there are bus drivers, there are, you know, different people have different roles. And it was my role to be a mom. And it was my husband's role to be their dad. And something that I see that's very, very common is sometimes the mom will be a softer one and the dad will be a little bit more firm. And I would, you know, I had to learn that my kids actually need that firm, um, the the firmness from my husband to be like, you know, a little bit harder with them. Uh, if you notice, I know this is like, comparing humans to animals, but if you even see like dogs correct their young, they literally bite them on the face (laughs) and throw them down and stand on top of them just to make sure that they are submissive or, you know, um, that's what they do to kind of train each other in territory things. But, um, that firmness really does set the boundaries and teaches them. And so I had to learn early on that I'm not their friend. I remember seeing Olivia. She's my firstborn and she was little, you know, she was walking, but she was still very little and I would tell her no and she would still do it and then my husband would tell her no and she would stop and I looked at my husband. I still remember my very words that I said. I said... If I'm going to do this stay at home mom thing, she has to obey me the same way that she's obeying you. And he said, well, number one, he, he gave me two points there. He said, number one, you can't be their friend. You are her mom. You are the parent. And number two um, is no has to be no. And so um, and we're going to get into that. That's actually number four. I will get into that, but he was like, you have to make sure that you are winning the battle of wills. So I'll I'll save that, you know, once I get into number four, but it's just, I am their mom. I'm not anybody else. I am their mom and I need to do that job well. Now there's different seasons as your kids get older and even the role of a mom changes as they get older, but, um, you know, in those younger years, I had to <laughs> lay down the law while my husband was at work. Um, so um, if we if we appeal to their fleshly desires and give them everything they want, they learn to want their way more and more without considering others. They form a new level of selfishness that will erupt with tantrums and anger and bad behavior all because they want to get their way. Um, God wants to use us as their parents to discipline and guide our children into submission so that they will learn how to be humble and submissive and then be teachable and trainable even from God. It takes lots of focus, time and so much effort. And I'll admit I was it was very tiring in those young year younger years. I was tired a lot. And it wore me out, but I do not regret for one min- minute parenting my children and um, trying to be a mom instead of their friend and somebody that they liked. I needed to be somebody that they learned obedience to. Um, that sounds so harsh, but you know what? It's not. It's training our children to be good citizens, to be kind to others. Um, and it, it just continues to go our entire lives really, but we can set that foundation when they are younger. Um, and it's, it's just nice when you set that foundation when they're young, because by obeying us, I would pull out the Bible and say, this is what God has asked me to do as your parent. And I've got to discipline you and guide you in the way you need to go. And when they would see those verses in the Bible, then they're like, wow, mom's not just being mean, mom is being obedient to God. So um, that's that's that with being their parent. Um, now let's this kind of bleeds into the next one is no means no. That's number four. Um, the biggest reason I wanted to make sure my kids learned that no means no is so that they would be submissive to the will of God. I don't want them to just you know, know who God is and just like honor him and, and, you know, like, um, think highly of God. I want them to be submissive to God. And no is a hard word for any of us to hear. And I believe that the sooner that kids learn that there are boundaries in life, the sooner they can have peace by just letting it go and accepting no for an answer. In addition to saying no to our kids, we made sure to, co- to correct any negative reactions after they heard the word no. Like, for instance, you know, while it's okay to be sad or upset, it's not okay to throw yourself down and throw a temper tantrum or give a disrespectful response just because they heard no and they're not getting what they want. My husband and I would be very quick to discipline any outbursts of anger and direct them to a more appropriate response. So we didn't just tell them, don't do this. We told them what they were allowed to do. Um, you know, of course, they were allowed to cry and they were allowed to have emotions of anger that they, they were, they, you know, anger is a real emotion, but they were not allowed to punch or kick or scream or roll around on the floor. They were not allowed to be sassy or use backtalk or roll their eyes in disgust. Um, sometimes we had to spend a long time to parent them in situations. So we might be at Walmart trying to do a quick run (laughs) to get diapers or whatever it is or milk. And we would just have to stop everything that we're doing. And we may have to sit there for five more minutes. And I made sure that we were doing it right there in public and everything because I didn't want Um, to do it where it's just cameras without people hearing what I'm saying to my children, (laughs) like no means no. And if I need to smack your hand, then I'm going to do it because you're not getting the gummy bears. Like you're not going to keep putting this or whatever it is that they're doing. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was very clear with what I was telling my kids, even in public, um, and just giving them the guidelines. I wasn't, I was not rude and sassy with them. I was very clear and direct with what I expected of them. And, you know, it wasn't this thing of uh, me getting on their level and being you and making fun of them or belittling them or just being exasperated with them. No, I never showed them that I was exasperated. I would give them my full attention and say, absolutely not. Look in my eyes and the answer is no, you're going to put this back. And if we do this again, I'm going to smack your hand. (laughs) I was very clear with the directions and therefore they heard, I can't do this. And if I do it again, my hand's going to get smacked. (laughs) And, you know, so it just takes that time to love your child. You're not being mean to your child. You are, this is literally a form of loving your child and focusing on helping them to accept the fact that they have to submit. They, that you're not going to bend. And they have to learn no for an answer. Um, as they get older, um, we have had to say no and then go back and discuss how they feel. Um, when they were younger, it didn't really matter a lot. Like, yeah, they could cry or they could whatever. But it didn't really, that didn't like trigger anything in me, right? That didn't, it was like, you're going to hear no. And that is the answer. And as they got older, when it was a little bit more mature things, then we're going to dis- to discuss, um, you know, maybe why we're not going to have, you know, Sally Joe over for dinner tonight, you know, or why you're not going to stay up till 10 o'clock. You know, then we started reasoning when they were at an age where we actually could reason. But in those early years, I just think that they need to know what the word no means. And when they get older, um, it's it's not up for debate in many, many, many situations when they're little. It is... Um, and then there's the other thing, too, of um, sometimes God will give us instruction and God may not give us the why he may close a door and he's not giving us the why. And we learn later, five years later, why he said no, because he had something better in store for us. So it's just really important that that we all not just our kids, but we all learn um, to still love and respect our Lord when even when he says no. Um, so the next Thing. Let's go into the next thing. It's number five. And that is church and Christian events. They are not an option. They are mandatory. (laughs) So that's all of number five, right? Church and Christian events are not an option. They are mandatory. On Sundays, we go to church. Our whole family volunteers and we serve the body of Christ. Um We have taken our kids to church from birth as soon as, you know, those weeks so that my kids didn't get sick. I think I stayed home for eight weeks after they were born um, so that they didn't get any of the viruses and germs and stuff that could have harmed them once we, we went straight to church. Um There were some, and then even when I was at home, we would do uh, on uh, church on TV or listen to a, back then it was CD's you know but we would listen to a sermon and and have that time that was set apart for the lord um there were sundays when my baby was in a car seat on the floor beside the piano while while i played and sang um because that's what we did we went to church and and i had to serve and my baby was right there beside me they came with us throughout the week when we cleaned the church or when we did various chores on the church property um, when I taught Bible studies, they helped to set up chairs and they helped to put out snacks. They helped clean up afterwards. And we were usually the last to leave. It's still true to this day because I feel like church is something that's very important and socializing and seeing other people and loving on other people is very, very important. And a lot of times we are the last ones to walk out of the building. And, um, and then even after that, sometimes we're going out to lunch. Most of the time we are with somebody and uh, just having that as a day to honor the lord and just honor our friends that the lord has given us um to some this may seem like too much, and it will wear the kids out being in church so much. Well, I actually believe that it teaches the kids how much we value ministry and how much we need to serve the Lord. I want to make sure that we are balanced and not making them resent church. I, I, I want to make sure that my kids aren't miserable. Um, as my kids are teenagers now, we really consider uh, where they would like to go to church or where they would like to absorb, you know, whether it's youth groups or whatever. And um, at these ages, we can be involved literally in three different churches at one time, meaning we may go to church on Sundays, Sunday mornings here, but the kids are going here on uh, another place on Wednesday nights, and they're going a different place on Sunday nights or whatever that looks like. Um, and that is okay. But I just want to make sure that they um, are in church. They value it. And they don't resent it. And sometimes we will head for ice cream, you know, after church as a way that we would just say thank you um, or go to a movie afterwards. Thank you so much. This was a conference this weekend and you guys were amazing. Let's go and relax. And we just make sure that they know how thankful we are. Um, we have truly surrendered our hearts to the Lord and we want to show the kids just how much we love the Lord by loving his people. This becomes a way of life instead of a chore that they hate. We don't see this. We don't display this as something like, it's like cleaning the house or cleaning the room or building something or, you know, some kind of chore. It's who we are and it's what we do as members of the body of Christ. There have been times when we couldn't go to church for one reason or another. And um, and both of my kids will say, "Ah, oh, it's so weird that we didn't go to church and they actually missed it. There was a season where there were a couple of, um, you know, maybe in a move or a transition. And there were a few Sundays in a row that we didn't go. And our kids are like, they will both say, we have got to go to church. Like, literally, they've kept us in check before. That is a great feeling. It's like, uh-oh, got caught, you know, teach your children, and then they hold you accountable. Um, church is just a way of life for our entire family. Um, and so I think it's a, a beautiful thing when the whole family can go and worship the Lord together. And experience the Lord together. Something else along with that, it's not just church, but it's also under that same category, number five, um, churchy events, churchy events, like conferences or worship um uh, worship concerts. I, I, I hate to use the word concert, but worship services, whatever you call them. Um, I just want to make sure that when we go, it's going to be something that they're going to benefit from. There have been different conferences that I've taken my kids to. I want them to experience different denominations because I believe that we can learn things from the different denominations that may not be um, uh, expressed in other ones. You know, I want them to see what happens when people are very charismatic and they raise their hands and they shout for the Lord. And I also want them to experience church services where people honor the Lord in in more of a quiet reverence, you know, where it's a deeper place in their heart where they're connecting with the Lord. I want them to experience conferences where other people are going to be praying for them and uh, experience just different ways and giftings of the spirit that they may not get at the same church. Because, you know, it's easy uh, when you go to a church that it's the same thing every single week, it's, you know, that it just, it's kind of like habitual a lot of times in churches. And I just wanted to make sure that my kids would experience like, okay, let's go see this worship band And, uh, let's just worship the Lord with them. And they would experience something amazing each time that we would go. Uh, um, it's just a family thing that we value together. Something else is I, you know, make sure it's kind of on that same, um, route is whenever there's a youth retreat, um, I just want to make sure that they are with like-minded, um, uh, kids that they are not the sole leaders. Like they are the only ones who have been trained up this way because sometimes when you've trained your kids up in the word and you've trained them to go to church and you've trained them to value the word, a lot of times sometimes they might be the only ones in a youth group that actually do that. And I am very careful personally that I want them to be in a youth group where there are more people that are like-minded so that it's not, just my kids at young ages being the leaders, but they are immersed in a big group of kids where there are lots of leaders and everybody's growing together. Um, so, you know, and that's kind of a, it, you know, it's a, it's a church by church basis. It's a situation by situation basis, but I learned and I would, I, I made a mistake with that because I would put a lot of, Maybe pressure, you know, at the time I didn't think it was pressure, but I would tell my kids, you are going to go and you're going to go be a light and you are going to go lead other people to Christ. (laughs) Like it was that simple. Like you are here to minister to others. And I found that it was too big of a burden, especially when they get into their teenage years, because Things just change in their teenage years with um, whether it's hormones and personalities and trying to fit in and trying to whatever. Most Most teenagers don't want to be the ones that stick out and be bossy or be, you know, whatever it is. So I just learned, you know what? I need to immerse them into a group where there are, there are other kids that are like-minded who have kind of the same parents, not seeing everybody. I don't mean it that way um, because you're going to have everybody in the mix so that they can team up with more people to minister to the other kids that haven't been raised in church or don't know the bible or don't even know who Jesus is or does maybe they don't even believe in Jesus when my kids are teamed up with other kids that are um strong in the word then they are able to minister to those other kids in a um in a broader way so i hope that that's making sense to you because it's i, I certainly do not mean that to come across that you know, for any way, shape or form that it sounds like, oh no, my kids are too good for that. I don't mean it that way. What I mean is that it's a heavy burden to put on young kids if we're trying to force them to be. Now, some kids might be you know, that might just be naturally who they are and they are gung-ho and they are going to minister to other kids, you know, regardless. And they're just going to go, 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 go. Um, But for, for mine, I, I just had to see where they were and team them up with other kids that were like-minded. And then when that happens, and then you have the team of adults, since we homeschool, um, my kids, uh, prefer me not to be a part of the youth group (laughs) because they're with me all the time. So they just choose like, you know, uh, you know, so they like to have their own space, but, um, I think it's good. I think it's good when, when you have a great leadership team and a great student leadership team, and then people are really, um, uh, on that level, uh, Uh, chasing after the Lord, and then trying to minister together to those who are in need. So, all right, I am pushing some time here. And so we're going to end this podcast uh, at this. uh, Number five, I do have some more tips. So um, the next podcast will be coming with more tips on raising kids. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I hope that maybe something I've said has given you some things to think about and um, and maybe it will, you know, draw you and your family closer to the Lord because of it. Um, I just pray that you are blessed. And if you are enjoying this podcast, I invite you to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Maybe there's somebody else, another struggling parent, or maybe there's another parent that is, you know, maybe someone's not even had the baby yet, or they have small children that maybe this would be helpful for them to hear. Go ahead and share it. And, um, I'm just so thankful that you are a part of this podcast. I appreciate you being, um, an an awesome, faithful audience. So until next time, we'll see you later.